Welcome to Stumbling Through Work, where educators figure shit out. I'm your host, Jared Huff, and I'm here to explore and share the complexities of our work and to let you know you are not alone. Before we start, though, please follow this podcast and share episodes with others. You can find me on my website, www.jarekhuff.com, where you can find links to my social media and where I share information and tips for educators. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey team, so today I was thinking, I wanted to ask, what do you actually bring to your school? What about you is a special quality for your school? Because we all have a background. We all bring things to us to a job, to our school, to our families, to our children. We all have something that we bring. And I think when we think about that, we have to think about our backgrounds. And there are parts of our backgrounds that we really need to think about. And I like to break them down into four areas when I do talk to some of my management team. Um, And those areas are personal characteristics, your experience in the field, your academic learning and training, and your administrative experiences. Does your actual background make you a good match for your school? And that's a real question. Like, think about that. The things that make you you, are you a good fit for your school? Sometimes you are and sometimes you're not. I can speak for me. Um, I've had the experience of working at high socioeconomic areas i've had the experience of working in the opposite of that and i'm able to kind of fit in no matter where i go just because of the experience that i had so no matter where i'm at i'm pretty good but some people are not like that it just doesn't work that way for some people some people need to be in certain areas some people don't it 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 just depends on that person And if your background doesn't, your background doesn't fit your school, then what do you need to do to become a better match? And that can be a myriad of things. It could be something you need to add, something you need to learn, something you need to change. Maybe it could mean that you just need to leave. Let's take a moment to really dive into your background, to really think about what you bring. You have to think of that first one that I said, your personality. Your personality consists of your cultural heritage, your gender, um, family experiences, um, your tolerance for change. Everyone doesn't really do well with change and some people do, but, you know, your personal style. For me, when I look at myself and my my personality, I look at everything that encompasses me. Um, I'm an artist, so I'm a dancer, I'm a musician, um, I'm an educator. Um, I look at, you know, what what I belong to or what, how I label myself. I am an African-American. I am gay. I am a lot of things. All of these things impact my personality. Your personality plays a big impact on your background. Um, And I'm not saying that your personality has to match up with your school, meaning like Because you're black, you have to be with other black people or because you're white, you have to be with other white people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to acknowledge who you are and what makes your personality your personality. 
your experience. That's another part of your background. You should at least be able to say in your experience what you were great at. For me, I can say I was an amazing teacher. I'm not being full of myself. It's just a fact. I was good as hell. Um, yes, I made mistakes. I own, own those mistakes, own my shit and move on. Did I do everything correct? No. Did I learn from it? Yes. Did I do everything for the right reasons? Yes. That to me is what made me excellent because I always had the, the sight of everything that I'm doing is for my students is for my children. And that always guides me. So I felt like I was a great teacher. I don't care about what anyone else has to say. That's my opinion. And so moving into like a director's position, teachers know when their directors are full of shit. They know it. If you haven't experienced or know what a teacher is going through, they're going to know it. And they're going to feel like you don't have the experience to lead them. And then look at the experience that you have. How does that make you? Or how did that create the form of director that you are? Questions I always ask my directors a lot. You know, how successful were you as a teacher? Um, What was your relationship with supervisors? And as a result of your experience, what kind of director do you want to be? There are directors that are really great at um, family dynamics. That could be their main thing. Can be directors really focused on the educational aspect. There are some directors focused on um, the business finance part of it. I mean, there's so many ways that you can be a director. So that's a really good question. Is your experience, how does that create who you are now? And what relationship did you have with other teachers, staff members, families, children? If you were a trash teacher, you're probably going to be a trash director. Not too much is going to change. It's going to run side by side, which actually gets me into the next part is your academic learning and training. Because you can look good on paper and you can be pretty trash in person. Because in my opinion... Most training that people go through to be directors, um, usually they're fa- they're based on like organizational behavior themes or um, I mean theories, um, leadership theories, budgeting stuff like that. And yes, there are practices where you learn how to work with different scenarios. But to me, true hap- true learning happens by doing. When you're in school and you do all these trainings. They give you scenarios that you read through the scenarios or you talk about the scenarios and you talk about it out loud and you write ideas and you deal with the problem for 20 minutes and you break it down and you decipher, which is a great thing to reflect on what you would do. But when that shit happens in person, totally different. Academic learning doesn't help me when I have angry teachers yelling at each other, telling each other they not shit in front of kids. Or this when the school doesn't have policies when you walk in or a parent is mad about their tuition and decide to throw their phone at you or somebody else in the building. These are all weird real life situations that I've had to deal with that no one taught me about <laughs> in a book, in, in a class, nothing. These are real life situations. And I think honestly, probably the best training comes from 
a great mentor. They help you with those day-to-day operations. I've had some amazing mentors. I've had, um, I will say, three mentors off top of my head that really taught me the basis of where I'm at now. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with three. Love all three of them. Um, They taught me a lot, and I don't think they even realized that they were teaching me. They were just doing what they do. And they were passing the baton off to me to be responsible to make my own deci- my own decisions, my own choices. And then now in life, right now, I have found myself as the mentor, uh, mentoring the next people, the next generation, teaching them and showing them. And hopefully they're learning something from me. Um, hence why I do what I do with this podcast. I want to be able to share that knowledge and my experience with other people. Your previous administration experience is part of your background as well. And most center directors have worked laterally. I think we all have started off probably as teachers or something like that and moved up. I always wonder, though, if management positions actually prepare you to be a center director. Yes, there are some things that you learn as a management team, as an administrative team, you know, customer service, which I think anyone can learn on any level. So, but outside of customer service, you learn how to deal with a little bit. You learn certain systems. You start learning a little bit. But I feel like when you become a director, you're actually thrown into it. You really have to start focusing on like budgeting, marketing, all of these things that you really don't have to do as an assistant director or program coordinator, or education specialist, or any of those things. You kind of have to be a little bit of jack of all trades at that point. So I always say that, like, does being an assistant director actually prepare you to be a director? In the perfect world, yes, but we don't live in a perfect world. So, but. I guess that would also depend on your mentor and your previous experience as well. I guess it depends on the school that you work for and or company. But honestly, at the end of the day, children, staff, families, they really don't care about what you don't know or how you don't know how to do something. But what they all want and deserve is your help and support. And with that being said, we'll be right back. I love sharing information with educators and program administrators. I have had so many successes, but also so many failures in my education tenure. I want leaders to know what not to do, but better than that, what to do. So, I decided to write a helpful guide, Best Practices for Center Program and Activity Directors. It's short and to the point. It's a compass to guide education leaders. These best practices will give you a foundation to lead your school, program, or organization. You can find best practices for center, program, and activity directors by Jared Cuff on Amazon or Amazon Kindle. Welcome back. So, what I want every director to do when you're up front, when you see a new face, I want you to greet them. I want you to smile at them. 
I want you to look interested by your facial expression. Keep your eyes on them. I don't care if you don't care. I don't care half the time. I'll be honest. I just fake the shit. I don't care. But I give the illusion. Um, giving them the eye contact that they deserve. I despise when someone walks in and you're working on something. You're just like, hi, and don't even make contact with them. That's rude as hell. Stop doing that. Everything that I just said happened before you even said a word. Notice how much interaction that you have with families and not a single word yet has been uttered. Let me tell you all how strong my fake game is. I once went to this school for a day to help out. It wasn't my school. It was a partner school of mine. And I was talking to this parent about something. To tell you the truth, I don't even know what she was talking about. But I'm listening. I'm focused in. Eye contact was on. I had the eyebrows arched like I was fully invested. But I was probably thinking of tacos or some shit like that. But I was giving her my attention from her perspective. Answered the question, went on about my way. Went back to my school next day. I'll say maybe about a month or so went by. Then I received this email from this parent. And I'm like, who is this? And she asked, you know, could I give her a call? And I'm like, okay, I don't know who this person is. So then I give her a call and come to find out it was that parent at another school. She said to me, I know you're not at that school, but I need to talk to someone that gives a shit. It's literally what she said to me. And I said, oh, okay, I'll listen. But it was like, I don't work at that school. Ain't shit I could do. And just because I gave the illusion when she came in that I was fully invested, the eye contact, the smile, the arched eyebrows, one was up, one was down. Um, like I was really into it, but I, like I said, I really wasn't. That was a greeting for her that she obviously remembered and felt that I could help her somehow, which I really couldn't. But you should have an opening statement that you say to new families. Don't just say hi. Don't just let someone walk in and go hi. I mean, who the hell are you? They don't know you. Hi, my name is Jarek. How can I help you? Or Welcome to so-and-so. Welcome to ABC Kids. I don't know. I just made that shit up. Welcome to so-and-so. Hi, I'm, you know, I'm Jarek. How can I help you? Making them feel like I care. That's what it's about. They don't know you from the man on the moon. Look at your school like a house. You wouldn't let anyone else just walk into your house. No, you open the door. They come in. You greet them. Hey, how are you today? It's the same thing for your school. You're not going to let just anyone just walk in. When they walk in, you open the door, you greet them. Hey, how are you today? There's some form of dialogue when they first come in. And then ask, how can you help? Don't assume you know why they're there because you don't know. Hell, they could be lost. I, you know how many people I've had come in It's like, can I use your bathroom? I'm like, this is not a 7-Eleven, but... You know what? And sometimes I will say, yes, you can use this right in the front. But a lot of people come in just looking to use the restroom. They're coming in because they're lost. They may think we're somebody else. You never quite know. So just don't assume why you know someone's there.
they could be there to pick up somebody. They could be an emergency contact coming to pick or emergency or pickup to pick up another child. You never, you just never know who people are. So just don't assume you know why somebody's here. No. Ask them, how can you help? And then ask them, when you're asking them, how can you help? You're really asking them, what do they need? You need to actually listen for what they need and don't listen to respond. In any conversation that I'm having with someone, the fastest way to piss me off, personal-wise or business-wise, is when I'm telling you something, for you to already assume what I'm going to say and your thought process is trying to figure out how to respond to what I'm saying than other than listening to me. That will piss me off quickly. And for me, because that's a pet peeve of mine, I make sure that I don't do that with people. Even though sometimes I may know where the conversation is going. And if you've been a director for a while, majority of the time, you start getting the same complaints time and time again. But I take the time to fully listen. I don't cut people off. I don't assume what they're saying. I actually take the time to listen because sometimes it could be a twist at the end that you didn't see coming. So you need to really listen to what they need. Then you have to tune in and actually fully listen. What did they say? I always say two things when it comes to people. I always hear what they said and I always hear what they didn't say. And that means you have to pay attention to everything. You have to pay attention to their nonverbal signals. Look for emotional cues, attitudes. Sometimes they're sarcastic. Sometimes they're asking, but they don't know how to ask. Or sometimes you have to help give them the language to what they're trying to ask. Really listen and listen to understand. All of this happens within the first two minutes of meeting somebody. We sometimes don't realize how much interaction and communication, verbal and nonverbal communication we have with someone when we first meet them. Like I said, this all happens like a, it, within two minutes. People don't realize. Think of when you walk into a business or you walk in anywhere, you'll make your mind up real quick, usually within the first five seconds. Because I'll walk in and go, ooh, it's dirty in here. I don't want to be here. They're all nasty and they're trash. It took me three seconds. I always want to present myself in a way to where I don't leave a nasty taste in someone's mouth when I first meet them. Notice I said when I first meet them. But remember, these people can spend their money anywhere. And for me, I don't spend my money in places that I feel like they don't deserve my money. Is my money and I can do what I want with it. And so we are in turn asking them to spend their money on us. We are asking them to pay our salaries. We are asking them to pay our light bill. We are asking them to buy the crayons in the building because that's what their tuition does. That's how we keep the lights on. That's how we um, get our insurance paid. This is how we do that is each of these new faces that we have. So. Always think of that. Welcome new faces when you see them. This week, I want you all to really think about what you bring to your school. What is the background that you bring that makes you unique? And I want you to welcome every single new face that you see. And with that being said, have an amazing week. And to next time. That's it for today. 
If you like this episode, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating, review, and subscribe to the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website, which is in the show notes, to contact me. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and speak to you all soon.